This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Well, last Friday, the Friday before Memorial Day, which is the American holiday set aside for remembering those who died fighting for this country, our American president went to Japan to honor those who died fighting against this country. Big question is why. Why did Obama go to Hiroshima, the site of the first atomic bombing? He didn't go to apologize. I want to make that clear. Maybe he wanted to apologize, but nowhere in his remarks did he actually say he was sorry or that the U.S. was sorry for using the atomic bomb to end World War II. So if he wasn't making an apology, then, then why did he go? We come to ponder a terrible force unleashed in the not-so-distant past. We come to mourn the dead, including over 100,000 Japanese men, women, and children. He went to ponder. Okay. He went to honor the dead on Memorial Day weekend. He went to honor people who had declared war on the United States, leading to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans. He did this on Memorial Day weekend. He went to honor the dead, the same dead who could have avoided their fate if their government had been willing to surrender once their navy was destroyed and their capital firebombed and all of their allies thoroughly defeated. This is who he was honoring on Memorial Day weekend. Fine. That's not really my biggest problem with his speech. My problem is that the speech, like so much of his presidency, is symbolism over substance. He was at Hiroshima to make a symbolic gesture, but ended up saying nothing of any substance. There were no policy proposals, no commitments made, no warnings to enemies who are seeking to use nuclear weapons against Japan and America, like, oh, I don't know, just off the top of my head, uh, North Korea? It was fluff. It was no nuke, peacenik, hippie babble. He might as well have just sang John Lennon's Imagine. He would have had the same rhetorical impact with less time. While he is the first president to go to the site of the atomic bombing, he's not the first president to go to a controversial place from World War II. Several U.S. presidents went to the site of another World War II adversary and gave extremely consequential speeches. Take JFK's trip to the Berlin Wall. All three men wherever they may live, are citizens of Berlin. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Berliner. He went there to show solidarity with the people of West Berlin. It was a warning to the Soviets and a rallying cry for the Allies. It had substance because it was backed by action. How about Ronald Reagan's trip to the same location? General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. 
Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, how about that? that? That's pretty clear. It's a call to action. He wants to elicit a change of behavior from his audience, and ultimately, it was effective. Gorbachev did open the gate, and the people tore down the wall. How about Bill Clinton's visit in the 1990s? The Berlin Wall is gone. Now our generation must decide what will we build in its place. Standing here today, we can see the answer. A Europe where all nations are independent and democratic, where free markets and prosperity know no borders where our security is based on building bridges, not walls. Again, it was a call and a plan. He was calling for a united Europe that ultimately became the EU. Again, several American presidents went to a spot where people died during World War II by American hands and made great speeches. They're speeches that didn't cause those of us at back home to wonder if our leader wanted to apologize for our military victories. They were speeches that called for specific actions. They were speeches that really did change the world. The closest thing I can find in Mr. Obama's Hiroshima speech to a big call to action is some vague references to a world without nuclear weapons. Well, that's sweet but ultimately it's just nonsensical emotional fluff. Let's remember why we have atomic weapons in the first place. Let me read to you what Harry Truman said to the American people on August 6, 1945, the day we bombed Hiroshima. Quote, By 1942, however, we knew that the Germans were working feverishly to find a way to add atomic energy to the other engines of war, with which they hoped to enslave the world. But they failed. We may be grateful to Providence that the Germans got the V1 and V2s late and in limited quantities, and even more grateful that they did not get the atomic bomb at all. Close quote. We started working on the atomic bomb because we knew the Germans were working on the atomic bomb, and if they had gotten it, they would have used it. We were able to end the war against Japan by using two atomic bombs. The Japanese wouldn't surrender after the first one. It took two and the threat that we might have more for them to finally lay down their arms. This weapon made it possible to avoid future world wars for more than 70 years now. Let's listen again to Reagan talking in Germany, this time in 1982 at the Bundestag in West Germany. Those who demand that we renounce the use of a crucial element of our deterrence strategy must show how this would decrease the likelihood of war. 
It is only by comparison with a nuclear war that the suffering caused by conventional war seems a lesser evil. Our goal must be to deter war of any kind. That speech was given as Reagan was working on reducing hours in the Russians' nuclear stockpiles. It was another speech given on foreign soil expressing a wish for a nuclear-free world, but that speech given by Reagan also recognized that the nuclear arsenal we possessed prevented major wars and, and prevented minor wars from becoming major wars. Mutually assured destruction was a pretty effective tool for world peace. And the calls Reagan made for reducing nuclear weapons weren't just wishes and hopes and dreams. They were followed by concrete plans and proposals to the Soviets. We did get arms reductions with the Soviets after Reagan's speech there in Germany. It didn't eliminate nuclear weapons, but it did reduce the stockpiles. Obama's speech in Hiroshima had none of that. There were no calls for changes of behavior for North Koreans who threaten Japanese security today. There were no expressions of a united front against the enemies of Japan and America. There were no concrete proposals on how to actually reduce nuclear arsenals around the world without making the world more unstable. Nothing. So why bother? Why go? Why talk? Because he wanted to. Not because he needed to or because he was there to advance any policy program that would actually benefit the American people. He went because of his own ego. Here's a quote from CNN's report on why President Obama went to the site of the first atomic bombing. Quote, from the beginning of this presidency, we were told that the president has an interest in visiting Hiroshima, said Kino Hiro Sasaki, Japan's ambassador to the United States. The seeds were sown for an eventual visit as far back as 2010, close quote. This president received the Nobel Peace Prize in 2009, not for anything he had actually done to advance the cause of peace. He was given the award because the liberal elite in Scandinavia wanted to influence the American president in a way that would fit their worldview. Since then, it's hard to find any specific instance in which Mr. Obama has actually made the world more peaceful. Not in Iraq or Afghanistan. Both places are more violent today than they were when he took office because of his actions. Libya is not more peaceful today than it was in 2009. Neither is Syria or the Ukraine. Russia and China are both acting in more belligerent and aggressive ways because of how they expect the Nobel Peace Prize winner to react. But more to the point, not react. Going to Hiroshima and showing that he cares about people without actually apologizing is the closest thing he can do to earn the medal he was given prematurely. The problem is that world peace is not won by empty gestures. It's won through wise words followed by concrete actions. Our president is lacking on both accounts, and his symbolism in Hiroshima on Memorial Day weekend is the best symbol of his ineffectiveness and misplaced priorities. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, AmericaOnPar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light of the morning, I can see old glory.
داره 